Hello, happy people, and welcome to Office ADHD. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today, I have Terry Bartley with me. He's an English teacher from Charleston, and he has ADD, and he has written a book. Yes, you heard that correctly. Yes. He hasn't started a book. He's actually finished it. Correct. It's on, so, on for pre-order, even. Ooh, okay. Tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, so the book is called Tyranny of the Fang, and it is a, a fantasy book set in the same fantasy universe, things sort of like MCU, but with, you know, magic. Basically, I started writing this novel, like, five years ago, and... This will all sound very ADHD. Like you'll probably relate to a lot of this. <laughs> so I started this like five That's years ago, and then I wrote it. You know, once a week consistently. Like that was sort of the goal. Just like I want to write consistently, just to have a thing that I have done. Um, so I did that for like a number of years. And then I finished it and I started editing it. And then the editing process wasn't as fun for me, so I couldn't get motivated to do it. So I was like, well, I got to do something. I want to start writing something again because like the, the creating of original things was the thing that I got out of this. So then I started writing um, short stories. Like I just had a goal at the beginning of last year. Like I'm going to write 100 short stories. I didn't finish it, but the idea was just like the goal, right? I get yeah. very ADHD. Like just set a goal. That way you have a thing to work towards. And then I did that for the, the full year. I wrote about 52 stories. Well, Throughout so that time, I started talking quick. to... A, Can I ask uh, you yeah. one question about that really quick? No, I mean, yeah, I, I want to hear the rest of the story. But first, I am... How did you keep yourself writing once a week? Like, what was I? I it was about setting a routine. I um, mm. would t- I would go to Starbucks. Um, like, I would leave my house and drive to Starbucks. I would get a coffee, the same coffee. I would set at the same place, and I would write for an hour. And then I would do that, I did that every day. And I sung with an acapella group. So basically, every day that there was a acapella rehearsal. I would just, part of the routine was I would go, I would eat, I would go to Starbucks and write, and I'd go to the, the practice. So it was just kind of like establishing a routine where oh. like Wednesdays, I did this thing. Okay, I love that. Okay, so you knew when you were going to do it, you had it tied to another activity that you love doing anyway. Okay, yeah. love it. And accountability, okay. right? Because there's other people in the choir. Oh, because, okay, loving it. All right, now tell me, so you wrote 52 stories in there? Is that what's going on? Right. So, like, I would post these to my website. I just had, like, a WordPress blog at this point. At this uh-huh. point. And I was just posting them, like, every time I'd write one, I'd post one. So, I started talking to one of my friends regularly, um, like, one of my old friends from high school. And he was like, so what are you going to do with these? Like, what's your plan? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I'm just writing them, you know? <laughs> I, just write, I don't know. Um, cool. <laughs> So then he was like, um, well, why don't you try to publish them? And I was like, you know, I will. But like, because, you know, like the publishing world is crazy, right? Because like, yeah. traditionally, what you do is you send it out to an agent and the publishers and you just kind of like keep doing that till you win the lottery. And that's like the traditional publishing route, right? It's just, you yeah, got to catch an agent on like the right day when they're in the right mood. And it's such a game of chance. That's so I, I was just going to do that. So you know, like, that's what you do as a writer. Authors. Yeah. And oh, he was sorry, like, yeah. so why don't you just self-publish it then? Because, like, these short stories you don't care as much about, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. As I'm, <laughs> I'm, so I'm publishing this short story series set in the same universe as the novel. So sort of like setting 
the stage or the novel to happen in the future. Oh. Um, and that'll be coming out in August of this year. And it's sort of been me learning the process so that whenever I do release the novel, I know what I'm doing better. <laughs> okay. Love that. Tell me, tell me more about how you did the editing. Cause I'm not going to lie. That's, that's my problem too, is I look back and I'm like, it was really fun to make, but I don't want to go back and fix things. <laughs> yeah. So I will say this is where the traditional publishing sort of has it right. Because having an editor is like the thing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as a self-publisher, it's, it's rough because you have to pay out of pocket basically to get an editor. So I had to pay like $400 or something to get someone to go through and mark all my mistakes for me. But that's, that's the thing because like, I don't, like, I know what my problems are, right? Like, logically, like, I know that I don't describe things well enough. I know that I don't do transitions. Like, I know all that stuff, but I don't like going in and doing it myself. But whenever an editor goes through and marks up the document, like, this needs this, this needs that, it's so much easier. Then it's like a game. You're going to find all the marks. Yeah. Okay. Did you find your, just so, you know, anybody else's, because obviously those of us with ADHD, we generally have 20 projects in our heads. So anyone else looking to write a book, where did you go to find your editor? Um, so I went to Fiverr. And, I, and for the record, Fiverr is a great resource for any kind of freelancer at all. But it's also a bit of a hit or miss thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But people do tend to post their examples, which for an editor is less useful. But I think you just kind of have to sort through, see people that sort of you get a good vibe off of. Mm -hmm. And then you just sort of have to hire them and just hope it works out. And I mean, $450 is not an easy risk to take, but it seemed to work out this time. No, that's great. Well, and if you did it in pieces, especially with short stories, I could see you trying out different editors and doing it like not as a one-time investment, but like, you that know. That sure sounds like it would have been a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Okay, and I also love the idea that you're focusing on, okay, these are my strengths, and it's and it's fine to outsource the weaknesses, you know? And that's the thing that I've sort of learned through all of this is, you know, it's so unnatural for us to, like, ask for help, right? Yeah. Um, like, we want to do all of it and pick on all the things and sort of control everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that sort of realizing that there are things that I want to spend my time doing, and there are things I'd rather not spend my time doing has been a game changer for me. And just kind of like accepting, like it's okay to pay a little bit of money to get people to do things that I could do, but I'd rather not spend my time doing. Yes. Yes. I love that. Cause yes, like you said, just, it's okay to say, okay, this is, this is not what I want to do. I want to do this. And yeah. And I think one of the things we have a hard time with is like you said, it's not always traditional things that we have a hard time we have a hard time with sometimes with things that traditionally other people have an easy time with and so it's hard to say you know what it's okay that i have an easy time with this thing that other people have a hard time with but i'm just not good at this other thing i'm gonna outsource it yeah and i mean something that i've noticed a lot is whenever i know how to do a thing i feel like i'm supposed to do it you know <laughs> And I think that just kind of learning to like go a little bit, yeah. just because I know how to do it doesn't mean that that's the best use of my time. You know, I remember whenever I worked, so I, as an ADHD person, I've worked about 20 jobs, more than 20 jobs in my adult life. So like, <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of skills, right? So, yeah. so it's hard when you have a variety of skills to not just want to do all of it. Uh, so the thing that I have sort of learned is like, whenever I worked at this nonprofit, we did a lot of like uh, small business coaching. And I think that we would say a lot, 
a lot of business owners get stuck in working in the business versus working on the business, which is to say like, they're like running the cash register and like doing stock and things like that versus like promoting it and like doing things that will make the business grow. And I think that, you know, when you're an author, that's your business. So like, where is your time best spent as the person, like as the creative face of the company versus like all the background stuff? And I think that's been sort of interesting to think about. I love that. I love that. Because like you said, just because maybe you could physically do all these things doesn't mean you have to and doesn't mean that you should. I love that. I love how you put it. You put it great. And this is great, too, that you have figured out so much of this stuff because you were you were diagnosed like a lot of us, but you were diagnosed later, like at 30, right? Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I spent a lot of my life bouncing from job to job. Like I, I don't know the number of jobs that I've had where I would say to myself, this is my calling in life. I finally found the thing I'm supposed to do. I'll be, I should do, this is what I was put on earth to do. And then, you know, two years later, I'd do a fully different job and I'd say the same thing. <laughs> uh, yes. And it's like, well, that was your calling at the time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I love too that you've been able to figure out um, writing at the same time as having this other job that is actually really demanding. Being a teacher is very demanding. And so, yeah, and honestly, that's a big part of it is as a teacher, I think it'd be very easy to get caught up in that being your entire life. You know, I mean, I'm sure yeah. all of us know teachers that they they are a teacher and that's their whole life. Um, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying, like, if you want other things in life, like, maybe that's not ideal. <laughs> so for me, like, I sort of try to think of myself logically as I'm a writer and I'm a teacher on the side to pay the bills, which it doesn't actually make me a worse teacher. It just means that my priorities are not in the classroom entirely. And I think that that's useful, you know, because then I don't stress out about things like getting things graded or like, because as an English teacher, it's a very labor intensive thing for grading because you have to grade papers and things. Yes. You can get really in your head about like, I should take all this home with me and I should be grading constantly. But I think that if you sort of just accept that I'll do the work I can when I'm in the classroom and then that's, then whenever I leave the classroom, I'm not theirs anymore. Like, that's not my job after I leave the classroom. That it really changes your mindset. This is just a thing that I do for a job and not like my entire life. You know, that is an excellent organization. Like, I hadn't thought about that until I was just listening to what you're saying. But I love the idea that you leave your grading at the classroom. When you're going to go write, you go to Starbucks. That, like, you have an area that feels like and is, you know, your role at that time. Yeah, yeah, and I try to not bleed it as much. Obviously, there are times, Yeah, you know, whenever I get excited about something I'm writing, like I want to get more down, I'll pull out my phone and I'll type up a little bit or whatever. Like, like I don't, or like in the classroom, sometimes I'll write something if it's like a down period for the students and I'm just, I have to write this thing. Like I'll yeah. get into it. But, and then like I've graded in my home before, like whenever it's the grades are due and it's kind of cutting it close. But by and large, I try to keep it pretty separate just so that I have like this divide in my head. Like my home is not my work. You know, like I'm not going to work here in my house. And that idea of giving yourself permission of literally saying to yourself, not just leaving it there because oh, I just couldn't get it done, but literally stopping and saying, I give myself permission to not be done. Yeah. And I mean, there, there, whatever grades are due, like there's been literal days that I like spend the night almost at school. <laughs> it's because I'm unwilling to bring it home. You know, like I'm unwilling to spend the night at home grading. I much rather just stay at the classroom and do it to, to sort of like maintain that mental divide. 
Mm-hmm. No, I love it. And I love too, because one of, one thing that tends to help a lot of us with ADHD is, is environment is the, you know, the idea of when you're at Starbucks, there's lots of people with computers out. And, you know, when you're at school, that's where there's the school stuff. And so I, I love that. I think that's great. Well, and, and, you know, maybe the last minute talk raise to grade is actually a really great motivator for ADHD because like deadlines and stress is like a motivator. Yeah. Like, fine, fine, I'll do it. I honestly don't know how you grade English. That's why I taught math. <laughs> I try to keep it as objective as possible. That way it's, <laughs> it's less on me. I love it. Tell me more about what inspired you to say, I need a goal in my life. Like, I need a goal. So you were saying, you know, it was it more just the, I need to make sure that I have something where I'm not getting burnt out as a teacher? Or was it just that this was something you wanted to do? Like, what kind of really happened no. in that? Whenever I started writing, I wasn't even teaching. I don't think I was mm-hmm. even going to school to be a teacher whenever I started writing. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I was writing, I was volunteering with an organization called the uh, JCs or JCIUSA. It's basically like a young professionals um, development organization. We're all about like helping young people become the best versions of themselves to like, you know, take trainings to, to grow, um, which is a great organization. But I will say for somebody like me with ADHD, especially undiagnosed, it is sort of a trap because oh. like having little postmarks, like you can get these degrees and become, you know, everything and do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then you just do it because it's like, well, this is an easy to understand series of goals. So I'm going to continue down this path. Um, so I did that for a long time and I was part of this fellowship program, which was, there were like 12 of us that were like the, the top people in the organization, um, that were like up and coming. And in one of the trainings, they had us write down all the milestones in our life, like all the like, uh, big, like changing points for, for us. And everybody else would go around and they'd be like, oh, there's this one job I had or this one moment in my life or this one person I met. But I was like, well, I have like 12. <laughs> so <laughs> let me list those. And that was kind of the first moment that I realized something is different here. There's something about me that is very different. Mm. And then I stumbled onto um, the How to ADHD YouTube channel. And I was watching a video about like, um, I think it was about the the wall of awful, where like you, whenever you just tell yourself that you can't do something, the more often you do it, you, the less you want to do it. And um it resonated with me that I noticed that the channel was called How to ADHD. And I was like, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I, I clicked on the channel and I watched, she had a video called Do I Have ADHD? And I watched it and I was like, I think I do. <laughs> and I know it was just this big moment where I was like, honestly, this explains so many things about my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That like, oh, just, I don't know, like, it, it felt like that, because, you know, you're a sci-fi writer, it felt very sci-fi for me when you first got diagnosed, just to like, like, you're going back through your entire past all of a sudden, and all of these things click all at the same time. When it's such a, I feel like it's such a weird thing, because I think that in society, ADHD is the thing that people think of is like, first of all, some people think that it's non-existent, right? It's still a thing that exists, yeah. or like, oh, well, it doesn't exist. But then other people think of it as like, well, it's not, it's not a big deal. Like people have ADHD, whatever. But it's like, it's a big deal to know you have it when you didn't know you had it. Like it's a big deal to know that your mind works differently than other people, you know? Yeah. It's a huge deal. And it's, it's a huge thing to, to say, Oh, I wasn't, you know, like you said, I wasn't lazy. I wasn't just trying to, you know, do all these things. It was just this, my brain works differently. 
and then to understand how to use that instead of always fighting against it. You know, now you can use your skills. Well, and like just little things, like the fact that I was succeeding in a lot of different ways, but I still felt like I was behind in where I wanted to be in life. Yeah. And like, I think that that's a thing that's hard to understand if you don't understand it as a symptom of ADHD to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't understand. Yeah. No, people don't understand how much we want to have done absolutely everything in the world <laughs> to feel good. Well, and like the things that I was exceeding in weren't the things I wanted to succeed in, but I didn't realize that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You don't see your successes the same way. Yeah. No, totally agree. I love it. Thanks so much. Um, do you want to ask? So you said your book is on pre-order right now. When is it coming out? Yeah. So it's called Tyranny of the Fae. And it is, like I said, it's a collection of short stories all set in the same fantasy universe. Um, it has three main characters, all of which are queer women. Because it was important to me to write uh, queer characters as a queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's full of them. It's absolutely full of them. <laughs> and um, it's coming out in August of this year, August 15th. And my plan is to go on a physical book tour across the U.S. this summer. Oh, wow. Oh, that'd be fun. You know what? Those are those are actually really cool. We should. <gasps> you know what? Send me your link as soon as you have the book tour. We'll update the post and everything with it. Just because, too, I, you know, I've been to some of the book tours that they do with with especially newer authors. They are exciting. They're a lot of fun to go to. Well, I just realized that as a teacher, I have the summers off. And I think it's important to use every resource you have. And that's a resource, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, how can I best use that? Because realistically, I'm doing interviews and a lot of digital promotion now. And Mm -hmm. I can do that on the road. Also, me physically being in front of bookstores and getting them to order my book is like, useful, (laughs) you know? Yeah, well, and being there to sign the book and, you know, show people what it is in person. It makes a whole different connection when you actually meet the author and talk to the author. It's fun. Well, and I've also decided that regardless of how successful this is in terms of my career, it's also just going to be like a fun experience. And I don't want to, you know, I'm excited for that, you know, just drive around the country and see things. And you may not know the answer to this yet, but I have to ask, since I am a more visually distracted person, I tend to audiobook it. Uh, are you considering an audiobook version in the future? Yeah, it's getting produced right now. What? That's awesome. Okay. And that's one of those things that I had to outsource. That was one of those things that I was going to do myself because I have a background in the radio. And <gasps> I was going to like cast it with local actors and like produce it and direct it and all these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I just don't have the time. And I, and I, it's important to me to have an audiobook. First of all, for like you said, because like for people like us, sometimes it's easier to read when you're like walking <laughs> and yeah. not like when you're yeah. at home. <laughs> but also for people that like, you know, are blind. Like, I'm not going to have a Braille version because I'm an independent <laughs> writer. But I'd love for people that can't physically see my book to be able to experience it. So, like, audiobook was more for, like, an accessibility thing for me. Like, that's why it was important to me to have one. So, uh, there's this thing that Amazon, that Audible does where they connect you with an, a narrator and then you can do, like, a profit share. We're not paying up front. They're just sort of, like, recording it and then you share the royalties as they come in. So I was like, I should just do that. That way it's not on me anymore. You know, it's, they can do yeah. it. And then, and then it still exists. And that's what I, I ultimately want, you know. That's great. And like you said, since you're doing a profit share, it's not a big investment up front or anything. You're both going to benefit from it. I love that. And she's really great, by the way. I've, I've, I've been listening to things as she's been recording them, and it sounds really great. So I'm excited to see people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that. Okay. Awesome. So 
Thank you so much for coming on the show. And definitely everybody check out the links in the description and the link on the blog and the website because we're going to have lots of links for you to be able to find Terry and find his book. And thank you again. Thanks so much for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. As always, thanks so much for listening. And if you want to know more about anything we talked about today, or if you want to be part of the discussion, join us at officeadhd.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.